it's so good to be back here. As I said, I love the fall when folks start uh, start coming back from their holidays. Now you know for sure when June and July comes, I will be with you looking anxiously towards the cottage and saying, I can't get there fast enough. But uh, right now, I am so glad that everybody's back. I love this time of year. It's an unfortunate thing about the rhythms of church in Canada and holidays and winter and the way it goes is I, I figure we really have only like f- four to five weeks of peak church time. Everybody will be back by the first <laughs> or maybe months. Everybody will be back by the first of October and fully ready to go. Christmas time comes and things go a little bit nuts. Uh, so we've got those two months, October, November, that are full bore. And then January, everybody's depressed, seasonal affective disorder. Uh, February, everybody's like, oh man, get me down somewhere warm. And then March comes and there's a little bit of sunlight and everybody wakes up and exciting. And we have March and April and May and then everybody goes to the cottage again. So ultimately we have about five weeks of church and we're approaching that first, or months of church. We're approaching that first month in October. I'm so glad you guys are all trickling back. It, it's so great. My pastor's heart, my shepherd's heart is just so delighted to see uh, the people gathered, right? It's all about uh, gathering. So we're going to start over the next little while a little series on on the church. Like, what is this thing that we do on Sunday mornings? What is this thing that we do in terms of home churches? What is the relevance of it in our culture? Why do we gather? Why do we connect? What what's the point of all this? Why is the church a thing? Uh, who who is the church? You are the church. That's right, Dane and a couple other people. Uh, <laughs> where is it going? What is the future of the church? What is, what is Jesus doing with his church? What's the ultimate destiny of it? And, and just generally, what's the point? What's the point of all this investment? You know, it's really a question that um, we wrestle with from time to time as leaders at OVV uh, when we're thinking through how do we communicate like a, a, a compelling vision for what we do as a church, for why we gather. And that's just our part. We recognize, again, I always, when I say church, I want to recognize our church in the context of other churches in this region, other churches in this city, in this town, uh, in this province, other kinds of churches, other churches in the world, other flavors, other styles, but the community of believers who follow Jesus. But the question is for us, you know, why do we gather? Like, why do we gather? Why do we go uh, and invest the time and energy to put all of these people, all of you, in this room once a week on Sunday mornings? Why do we do that? Like, I mean, I I, I celebrate it. I'm I'm sold on it. Some of us got up at at 6 o'clock this morning and had their own coffee at home and had their own breakfast and got in the shower, bleary-eyed, and somebody went and got up early enough to get here at 9 o'clock and make the coffee. Who made that coffee for you this morning? Raise your hand. Kathy did it, and she's in the preschool, so she's busy all morning. Kathy made your coffee this morning. Why did did Kathy do that? Why did these worship people uh, go and get together and rehearse this week and and work on some songs and really try to get their rhythms together and and get... uh, to know each other a little bit better and begin to pray together. Why did they come? Why did Barry come here and set up all of this sound equipment? 
Like Barry and Simon are our two sound guys who are really faithfully doing this right now. We need more. We need more help for them. But why did they do that? Why did they do that for you? Like, what's the purpose? What's the point? Why, why did they do that? Why do Craig and Amber uh, every couple of weeks and the other home church leaders, uh, Warren and Leanne, why do they clean their carpets and clean their toilets? Why do, well, Leanne maybe doesn't so do such a job of that. No, but, no I'm totally kidding. Leanne's, Leanne's Mennonite side comes out, and, and you should see the food when people are coming over. I mean, honestly, it's a potluck, but Leanne has already made everything. Right? Like, off the charts. Off the charts. And they rearrange the furniture, and they set it up, and the dishes are spotless. Like, and so the people can come over to their house and be together. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? What, what's the point in us gathering together? Why am I, as a person, 100% hooked on this? Well, there's food. Yeah, the coffee is kind of good. But honestly, why did I go to school for years to learn about this job and how to do it and to try to do it well? Why do I wake up at 4 a.m. on Sunday morning to look at the notes I've worked on all week? Why do I do that? Why, when we started this church, did Anna and I uh, incur somewhere in the neighborhood of $50,000 in debt in the early stages of it just to get it going? What idiots would do that? You know, why would we do that? Why would we drag our kids here every Sunday of their lives? Why when I go to the cottage and even I'm on holidays, something in me wakes up at the cottage on Sunday morning and wants to get in the car early enough to make it the two and a half hours to church on Sunday to be here with you? Well, what's the point? Now, why have we uh, endured uh, so much challenge? Why has there been... For the centuries and centuries, blood, sweat, and tears over this gathering of God's people together. What's the point of it? Why are we doing it? And so in looking at OVV and where we're at and who we're at at church, we're at a stage where uh, we've spent some time trying to uh, be a certain something in our community. But every now and then in the life of the community, it's time to take your vision and to begin to re-articulate what it is, to say again what you said in the first place, but to say it in a new and fresh way. What is the compelling vision for us as a church? I'm going to put something up on the screen in a moment. It's not a finished product. It's a work in process. Uh, it's something we're talking about as leaders, something we're dreaming about together in terms of finding a new way to say what we believe and what we're all doing here. So don't expect to see this again in exactly this form. But in, in, in kernel form, this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. Let me just read this to us. We want to encounter Jesus together, bringing what he has done and what he is doing to bear in our lives in a way that changes us and propels us forward to facilitate that encounter for others. And we're going to unpack that because that's all just like blah, 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 blah at this stage. But why? To encounter Jesus. What does it mean to encounter Jesus? What is the point of us doing it together and not alone?
why are we bringing not only uh, just his presence, but what he's done in the past, what we know about him, what the Spirit is currently doing our li- in our lives? Why are we wanting to bring that to bear in a way that changes us, that transforms us, that, that makes us different people, that makes us new? And, and, and what does that change in us produce? It propels us forward. It causes us to act in certain ways and do certain things uh, beyond ourselves. It causes us to do those things for others, not just for ourselves. We, we come to exist not just for us, but for others. So let's just unpack this. Again, this is raw. We're going to probably come up with something that's like four words long that says all of this, I hope. But, but, but in terms of, of what we are and what we're doing, this for me is why I get up in the morning. This is why I do this. Because I believe that an encounter with Jesus changes us and causes us to do his stuff in the world. That if we don't encounter him together, the stuff doesn't happen. Let's unpack it. What does encounter mean? What does it mean to encounter Jesus? Well, the, the, diction, different, the dictionary definition is this, to unexpectedly experience or be faced with something different or challenging. Like, if this was just an encounter with you and me, like, that's quite a bit of difference already. Like, you guys are weird. Like, you guys are all different. Like, look at that person beside you. Like, they're a freak. They're really weird. They're really different from you. But to encounter Jesus is to encounter something really different. Like, like it's to encounter the one who created the universe. It's to encounter the most loving and most kind person who ever walked on the planet. And it's not just an encounter that's a brushing of the shoulders as you pass by on the streets. It's an encounter that is face-to-face and heart-to-heart. It's an encounter not just with someone who wants to be external to you, but it's an encounter with someone who wants to be inside of you. It's an encounter that happens on the inside. We see it in 2 Corinthians. It's what Paul was fighting for almost every time he wrote to a church. He was fighting for this encounter with Jesus, but he says it so well in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. He says this, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, and that word contemplate really means to reflect or to mirror. That means to be right there. Reflect or contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate or mirror the Lord's glory. Our encounter with him is an encounter with glory. Our encounter with him is an encounter that, uh, if you're to unpack that, that, that mirroring phrase in the Greek, it actually reflects to, uh, uh, speaks of a kind of a reflection that is like an, an ever-changing, ever-increasing, ever-clarifying reflection. I remember, I mean, this is just a, a crazy, silly memory, uh, but I remember my Aunt Sue's bathroom. 
remember my Aunt Sue's bathroom. Amber, maybe you'll remember this. It was the craziest place because when you sat on the can, okay, we're getting real here. When you sat on the can, there was a mirror in the shower right up in front of you and a mirror right behind you, <laughs> behind the toilet. And so when you sit in the can, there's just like a million of you looking at yourself. Like millions of you, like infinity of you, infinity of you just looking at yourself. Like that's being a lot of you, a lot of you, really close to you, at awkward moments of you, right? Except the reflection we're seeing is Jesus. That's what it is to encounter Jesus, is to encounter a lot of him. And as we encounter him, we're transformed, we're changed into him. There's something about the power of who he is that when we look at him, we start to look like him. It's like those people who kind of look like their dogs. <laughs> right? We spend enough time together, you start to look like him. Right? It's amazing. So this, this encounter is, is, is something powerful. If you're new to church, if you haven't experienced Jesus, if you don't know him, and even if you've known him for a long time, sometimes that encounter with the reality of Jesus and his spirit moving and the freedom that he brings is, is surprising. And, and sometimes even uncomfortable. But he wants to encounter you. That's what he died for. That's what uh, the, the temple, the veil of the temple was torn in two for. So that you could see him face to face. Heart to heart. So why together? Well, it's right in that passage itself. Uh, in, in the construction of that phrase. And we who, and we all, who with, unveiled faces that word with is with together it's not we who with unveiled faces we who by ourselves with unveiled faces we who in our private devotional time with the lord unveiled faces it's when we collectively together with unveiled faces unveiled from him and unveiled from one another Paul's talking about both the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. Both relationship with God and relationship with people. When we unveil ourselves, unmask ourselves with one another in the presence of a high and holy God, we're changed. It's, a, it's an unveiling horizontally, relationally with us and an unveiling in the presence of him. When we come to church, we get naked. A little bit. We unveil ourselves. We open ourselves up. We get changed. And we see that in Matthew 18, 20. Uh, Jesus is talking about it uh, in his ministry. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. When you're gathered in his name, you're with him. And, and, that, and that in his name thing means like under his banner, under his identity, as a part of his brand. In essence, that's what it means. In his name means by his reputation. To do something in his name is to do so in his reputation. To do so in his character. So we're meeting in his name. We're, we're meeting in his character, under his banner. We're meeting under his purpose, under his plan. 
We're meeting in his name, and, and that's where he is. Matthew 16, 18 says this, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Sorry for the typo there. The gate of Hades will not overcome it. It won't, it won't overcome it. It won't, it won't uh, conquer it. It won't squish it. It won't break it. And the word church is ecclesia, which means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. So in Roman times, when a mayor or a governor or a ruler would come into a community to make a proclamation from the emperor, he would call an ecclesia. He would call an assembly. He would call a gathering together. Everybody comes out of their homes, out of their places, out of their own little thing, out of their own little life, and they would gather together to hear something declared. By definition, the church is a gathering of people come together to hear from the king. You, you can't say, I, I have church on myself. You, it just is not a concept that ever entered in the heart of Jesus or Paul. You can't have church by yourself. It's where two or three are gathered. It's where you come to assemble with the other believers. That horizontal relationship that we have with one another is a, is a huge integral part of it. And not only do we have a coming together, do we have an assembly, but that assembly has a specific identity, a shared identity. It's not a very manly identity. But always the, the church, the, the, the collective gathering of people is referred to as, as the bride. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So there's something about the way we do this together. I want to take a moment right now, though, and recognize that some of our ecclesia isn't here with us. we're not all together right now. There are people who are a part of us that we love that, that either aren't able to or, or can't gather with us this morning. There's some people that we love that can't be part of church. Uh, I don't hope you don't mind me sharing uh, Paro family, but Noah is, is a precious, precious part of our community, and most of you have never met him because he has an anxiety disorder that he, he's not actually able to come into a gathering like this. But, but he's a part of us. And, and we love him. And, and they do church as a family, and we should probably swing by their house and, and worship with Noah or say hi to him and, and visit with him. But, but he's a part of us. He's a part of our ecclesia. He's a part of our gathering who can't be here with us on Sunday morning. So part of the purpose of the gathering is to be intentional and creative about how we do that. That's why in the, in the image that we started with, I didn't just have an image of a church, I had an image of a home in the logo for this sermon series. And I probably could have put a logo of a car and a logo of a coffee shop. But we need to gather and to assemble and to be together to fulfill the purpose of God. To fulfill the purpose of God. And this incredible image of the bride is so important in the scripture. And, it, and it's, a, it's an image that we see all the way from Genesis, all the way through to the book of Revelation. That Jesus adores you. He adores his assembly. 
He loves her passionately. I don't know, some of you dudes can probably remember, uh, those of you that were married uh, can remember what that's like, or maybe folks who've been anticipating marriage or hoping for it. Like, Tim, were you excited, like, just a little bit before the wedding? <laughs> like, I, I mean, people talk about me as being the cat that swallowed the canary. Like, I had a goofy grin on my face for weeks because I was going to get to marry Anna Patchell. She's awesome. She's beautiful. She's glorious. She, she has my heart. I'd do anything for her. And that passion that, that you guys might feel for your spouses is just the tiniest fraction of the passion that Jesus feels for his church. Just the tiniest passion. And we're going to unpack that in the days to come. Not only does that encounter, uh, an encounter, is it an encounter together, but it's an encounter that changes us. We're being transformed. That word for transformed is metamorpho, which means change after being with. So again, Paul is, is writing about the, the relationship being the thing that does the changing. The gathering is the thing that does the changing. The, the face-to-face and heart-to-heart with God is the thing that transforms us. It's a change after being with. We are somehow uh, transformed. I, we use that word metamorphosis for so many different things, but, but it, it, it's a... It's a when something about your, your very DNA becomes changed, something about the deepest part of who you are becomes different because you've encountered Jesus. You become like that person who looks a little bit more like their dog. Like, how do you explain that? Except it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that change... Uh, isn't a change that we can just take as something that's for us individually. It's not something that we can just celebrate and say, hey, this is my thing. I'm changed. Isn't that awesome? Everybody look at me, how changed I am. How great is it that I'm changed? Like, I mean, just look at me. Like, I'm awesome. But that's not what we're, we're talking about. It's a change that is a change that propels us. And we see this in the text, and it's actually a, 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 a fault in our Bible translations. You know how I'm always complaining about the chapter headings in your Bible? Right? Like that chapter, that big number 12 that's there after chapter 11, or that big number uh, 4 that's there after chapter 3. Well, in the original text, those weren't there. So let's read this passage about Jesus' transformation uh, without the chapter break. We are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Through God's loving kindness, he has given us this job to do. Through the loving kindness of his transformation, this loving transformation, he has given us a job to do. The transformation sends us out. The transformation sends us out. And we see it uh, here. Jesus came to them and said, this is Matthew 28. Sorry, I don't have the reference there. Jesus came to them and said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make followers of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have baptisms coming up in a few weeks. Teaching them to do all the things I've told you to do. And I am with you always, even into the end of the world. And that word with is an important thing that Jesus makes sure we don't miss. 
because the going always comes with the with and flows out of the with. It all flows out of relationship. So we wrestle with in, the, in this church, and, and I think every church wrestles with this, with a sense of a competition or a sense of a wrestling between the value of the gathered worship and the, and the call to mission and the call to go out. And the reality is, is that they can't be two things that are juxtaposed uh, from one another. They can't be two things that are held separately. They're not something that can even be held in tension because they are the same thing. If, if the gathering with is happening, the going out will happen. And if the going out isn't happening, then the transformational being with must not have happened. So if we're not going out, we're not getting the being with right. Is that a little challenging for us? That's a little challenging for us. So we need to grow in our expectation that when we come together to worship Jesus and encounter him, that we will be transformed and that we will have something to take out into the world. And we as church, as leaders, need to get so much better at facilitating the going out and so much better at facilitating the equipping. That's why last Sunday, instead of doing a sermon, I, I simply did a training session on praying for people who are, who are sick, how to, how to pray for the sick. Because we need to come and meet together and find out what it is that he's changing in us so that we can go out and do this stuff. They, they have to happen together. It's always about the with, it's always about the go. And so I use this, uh, this other word in our little phrase that seems like a very unchurchy and a very unusual word, this word facilitate. That sounds like not churchy at all. But that's what your gifts are for. That's why Paul talks so much about your gifts. Uh, how many of you, like, do you know you're gifted? Just pat yourself on the back or something. Like, did somebody pat you on the back? Like, you're gifted. Pat someone on the back. You're gifted. You are gifted. You have been giving, given something by the grace of God that's meant to accomplish something. It's meant to facilitate the encounter with Jesus. Right? And that's we see it in 2 Corinthians. We see it in Romans. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us uh, in a special way that is for the good of all. It wasn't given to you in a special way so you can pat yourself on the back. Your gift was actually given to you in a way so that you would be designed to pat somebody else on the back. That gift was given to you to be a pat on the back for somebody else. That gift was given to you to be a, a tool that you have to facilitate an encounter with Jesus that transforms another person and invites them to transform another person and invites them to transform another person, which invites them to transform another person. It's meant to be organic growth. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. You do not belong to yourself. Your gifts do not belong to you. You exist for somebody else. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And we can unpack both those passages and see how those gifts are meant to operate in the body. And that's something we'll do in the future. But uh, just unpack the pouring out of God's gifts that are meant to, to be transformative facilitators of those moments of encounter face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart with Jesus. 
I encountered Jesus. I was changed by him. I live to facilitate that encounter for others. That's why we do this. And of course, let's not remember who the others are. Let's not forget, rather, who the others are. Who are the others in your life? Who are the others in your life that you were meant to facilitate an encounter with Jesus for? Let's just stand for a moment and let's just listen to the Holy Spirit and encounter him and ask him that question. It's not something I can say, I can't give, I mean I can give my standard pithy examples of people in your workplace and people in your homes, people in your schools. But who specifically are the others that God is calling you to be a facilitator of encounter for? Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Yeah, only you can do this work in our hearts. We want to encounter you in this moment. We believe you're not distant, but you're doing something presently now in us. Would you speak to us and show us our others? Those who aren't here this morning that you want us to invite next week. Those who you want us to invite into our homes to encounter you. Those you want us to pray for who are sick. Show us our others, Lord. Lord, we trust you've spoken, you're good. You don't uh, leave your, your children stuck in silence. That you've put names on our hearts, given us images of people's faces that uh, have floated uh, by our spiritual eyes, caused us to see visions and hear voices speaking, people that we're called to be, love them. Would you send us out to love them, Father? Let's just read this statement together again. Let's read it together. Let's repeat after me. To encounter Jesus together, bringing what he has done and what he is doing to bear in our lives in a way that changes us and propels us forward to facilitate that encounter for others. That's something I can die for. That's something I can die for. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you're here and you've been attending and you've never let Jesus encounter you in, in a way that uh, speaks to you of salvation, speaks to you of his love, if he's somebody who's external to you and you're not encountering him yet as a friend, if you want to invite him into your heart, 
If you want to call him your friend, if you want to call him your Lord, this is a good time to do it, to encounter Jesus. Father, for anyone who's here who hasn't yet encountered you as their Savior, would you cause them to hear you knocking on the door of their heart and inviting them to follow you? Speak, Father. Give them courage to, to take that simple step of saying yes to you. Receiving your love. And for all of us who uh, Christianity has been uh, a product to consume, would you uh, cause us to seek an encounter that transforms us? Encounter you in your word, encounter the work of your spirit, and be transformed by you. And do with us whatever you want, Lord Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' holy name.